Father, help me to speak your word and only your word. And may your people hear your voice speaking to them, to, your, to their hearts, that they may understand the beauty and the glory of the gospel and above our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's children say, Amen. I didn't expect uh, this small thing. <laughs> I thought I would have the lectern. So sorry. Now, if I want to ask, maybe I ask the kids. Kids, do you believe in luck? And I'm not talking about Pastor Luck Young. Huh? Is he here? No, it's not here. Pastor Luck Young. Do you believe in luck? Lost dog, three legs, blind in one eye, no left ear, tail broken, missing patches of fur, and answers to the name Lucky. Now, that's quite funny and ironic, right? Now, what is luck, children, if I ask you? Well, luck, in some way I would define, is something that causes good or bad things to happen to you by chance rather than through one's own action. That's the general idea of the word luck. But let me tell you something that's quite funny when I was doing my research. But this definition only applies to the Western world because the Chinese don't believe in that. They believe they can do something to get more luck or to do something to avoid bad luck. But I also want to make a difference, a distinction between believing in good luck and Chinese tradition and culture. Because one is believing in something that is a part of your life, that is oh, the center of your life, that how you want to do things to achieve it. And the other is participating, celebrating what it means to be Chinese or in our Chinese tradition itself. For example, okay, if I ask the kids, okay, what are some good luck things that people would do during Chinese New Year? If I show you this picture, what will you tell me? Ah, red. Okay, red. To wear red is very important to get good luck. Do you know that? So some of you not wearing red, what are you doing here? Hello, why are you wearing? But can you see that? Pastor Kenneth wearing red also. I'm wearing red tie, red stripes. I just want to wear black, but I, I, I changed my mind. Okay? But does it mean that I believe in luck? No, I'm just celebrating what it means part of, to be uh, part of Chinese in our tradition itself. So I want to make a difference, but you get the idea that if you want to have good luck, you must do certain things, and one of it is you must wear red. How about this? Kids, can you tell me what is the good luck about this picture? Okay. Okay, it's not the brand of the car, okay? Even though I think BMWs are quite good and the color blue is not too bad, is what? What is the good luck about this picture? The number. Eight, eight, eight. Fat, 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 fat. Wow, it's a very good number and one of the most expensive uh, numbers you can buy on a license plate. And people will bid very high price for a house. This number is very important. Even mobile phone also, very important. Because we believe that when we have such lucky numbers, we will have good luck. What's a bad luck number? 
four, very good. And let me tell you, this is a very good advantage for us as Christians because my brother-in-law, my sister, bought a house that has a four there and it was the lowest price because nobody wanted to buy. Okay, that's the advantage. And what are some things that you need to, not, uh, need to avoid in order not to get bad luck? I won't go through all, but kids hopefully can see. Okay? Cannot wash hair. So, did you wash hair? <laughs> Cannot do needlework. Cannot say unlucky words. Cannot wash clothes also. Cannot sweep and clean your house after 12 midnight on New Year's Eve, if I remember correctly. Then cannot, you know, use your scissors and all. You cannot wear black. So you have a lot of things that you need to do to get good luck and a lot of things that you cannot do in order not to get bad luck. And the last one. This one, maybe some people may find it a bit difficult. What is this? Kids, can you tell me what is this? What is this? Kids, do you know? If you know, let me know. I need to talk to your parents. <laughs> okay? It's a trick question. Feng Shui. Feng Shui is the idea of... It's about Feng and Shui. <laughs> it's about how you can control... Sorry, my Chinese is very bad. You can control elements, how you need to know how to harness the energy well in order to have good luck. And it's a very big thing in Hong Kong. There was once when I visited Hong Kong, and I saw this particular building. It was behind a mountain. And between the, the mountain, uh, uh, and after the mountain is the building, and then after the building is the ocean. And because of feng shui, the entire building, in the center, there's a hole for the good luck, the, the good luck, for the feng shui, the energy to go through from the mountain, very good, can pass through the building and go through the sea itself. So it even affects the architecture itself. But you know what? For us as Christians, for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you this, if you do not know or do not, don't think about this, is that there is no such thing as luck at all. Really. There is no such thing as luck, bad luck or good luck. And I, the passage that I want to share with you this morning will tell you this truth. There is no such thing as luck. Things that happen by chance or things that you believe that you can control in order to inherit good fortune and good promises itself. Now, you may come to me and ask me, but is it a bad thing to seek after good things? And my answer to you is no. It is in fact not a bad thing. In fact, Scriptures tells us many, many passages and promises of God speaking to, to the people of the Old Testament and even New Testament about how God loves to bless His people, loves to see His people thrive and flourish and do well. And that to me is so encouraging. But the problem, I think, is found in this quote by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. In that, we are really satisfied with just physical things, physical possession, physical materials. 
He says, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum. Why? Because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. The challenge for us, and I would say even the problem for us, is that we are too easily satisfied with the things of the world and that we do not yearn for the greater things, the greater blessings that is provided for us, that is there for us. And I hope this morning's message will help you to reinvigorate, to re-believe and discover again this wonderful truth. And so I have one point, one point for this message, and the point is this. Praise God because He has given us every blessing in Jesus Christ. Now the children, can you repeat with me after, uh, with uh, Pastor Kenneth? Ready, go. Praise God because He has given us every blessing in Jesus Christ. Now what is a blessing? A blessing in very simple idea is God's favour, God's goodness. And is it wrong to want to have God's blessing, God's favour? No. In fact, here, God wants to give and He wants to show you how much He has given to us. So, this main point is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Allow me to read it. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, if there's nothing else, this would have been enough for me to tell you about this morning message. That God has already, is not something of the future that you have to wait for something to happen, but is already here and now. And He has blessed this. And where is it? It is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. This blessing cannot be found in anywhere else outside of Jesus. The world is chasing after all other things. According to C.S. Lewis, all the mud pies that the world thinks it is so uh, valuable and worthy. But here, God is telling us that we are already so blessed, so blessed, and it is found in our Saviour, Jesus Christ, that you and I don't have to search and look for it in outside, in the things of the world, but in Christ Himself. And another thing that is also very important that Paul talks about here is about a spiritual blessing. Now, I'm not saying that God will only, will not bless us physically, but the main point of the blessing that He's promising all of us who are in Christ is a spiritual blessing that is far more weightier, far more valuable than the physical blessings of the world. Because as I will unpack for you, you will realize that no matter how much physical possession, wealth, and things that you may have, you can never obtain the blessings of God. The first one, the first thing that we can praise God for is praise God because He has chosen you in Christ. So Paul now is unpacking what are all these every spiritual blessing. He doesn't list out all, but he lists out a number of it, a lot of it. And I only list out for you four for us for this morning. This is actually in verses 3 all the way, verse 14, it's actually one sentence made up of 202 words. 
Paul was so excited, he was so, so, so thankful, so joyful that he couldn't stop writing and talking about the tremendous blessings that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is, if I'm not wrong, it is the longest sentence in the New Testament, 202 words. He just carries on, carries on, carries on, carries on, and he doesn't stop at all. And I hope that this is something that you will also get a feel of the same feeling and joy that Paul also experienced and he understood. The first thing is that we are blessed because God has chosen us. You know, being chosen may not seem so significant until you have been rejected before. You know, I recently just ended my reservist last Friday just before lunchtime. And one of the things that in, in, yeah, in, in reservists is that at the end of it, they will want to award those who do well to kind of encourage the NS men. And, the, and when I, I was part of a chat group and I saw the initial list that my name was there. Whoa. Being the second oldest guy in the whole battalion of 500 men, I was quite excited. Why? You know, they recognize this old man here. I'm even older than my commanding officer. So it was quite funny. So I was very excited. Whoa, wow, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a award. I'm going to be recognized. Quite exciting. Then later on, they revised the list and my name disappeared. <laughs> That's quite dejected, actually, I must say. Say, oh my goodness, my name disappeared. How come? Uh? You know, it's quite, you know, it's one thing that you don't know about it, but it's one thing that when you know about it, then you think you're going to get it. And a few hours' time, then you realize, kwa, 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 no name there, you know? <laughs> Kids, I understand what it means to be rejected or not chosen or looked over. And there are times that, in fact, many times, the things that we do today at school, even at work, there's a part of us that seeks to be recognized or want to be chosen in that sense. It's not a wrong thing. It's not a bad thing but it can be a very crushing thing when we don't get chosen at all. But what Paul is telling us is so amazing that even before the creation of the entire world itself, you were already chosen by God. You were already chosen by God. You are already chosen and you do not have to do anything to be chosen by God. And because you have been chosen by God, even though sometimes we know that we may not be deserving and worthy and we may be rejected by others, it's okay because God has chosen us. And we also understand how come we can be chosen by God is because our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was rejected. He experienced the rejection of men so that we will not experience the rejection of the Father. It is painful to be rejected. It can be hurtful, rejected by even by things that, by family members or by friends or by loved ones or even our work. But because we know that we have been chosen already before anything has begun, before anything was created, God has chosen us. We are so blessed. And even if because, and even if the entire life, our entire life, everybody has rejected us, it doesn't matter because we've been chosen by God. And the way God chose us is not random or mechanical. Paul tells us in verses 4 at the end, 
in love, he predestined us for adoption. So Paul is explaining how he chose us. He has predestined us in love. It was out of love. It was love that motivated him that he chose you and I. Not because of your achievements or what you could do or your potential. Nothing. It's because of love. It's because of love that you were chosen. And interestingly, Paul uses this word called adoption. Now, adoption may be something that we are not um, familiar with, but in the Greco-Roman world, it's a common idea. And the idea of adoption in our context seems to be kind of feels like a, almost like a second-class uh, uh, label in a family itself. But in the Greco-Roman world, it's not. In fact, when you are adopted, you are seen and given full rights as if you are the firstborn or you are the son or the daughter itself. Absolutely, there is no second ranking. In fact, one of the Caesars in Rome was an adopted uh, child itself. And that, that, and that did not prevent him from ascending to the highest position on land itself. Now, kids, how many of you have pets? Okay, not many. How many of you have dogs? Okay. The closest experience, some of you are not kids, uh, you're too old. Okay, don't raise your hand. Okay, joking. Okay. The closest experience I have about adopting is when a number of years ago, <clears throat> my family and I, we went to, wanted to look at dogs. Okay. The initial, res the initial desire was to look at dogs. So we went to this canal. We saw dogs. Look, Nia, look, Nia, because we know how enticing dogs can be. And so we went to look at dogs. And guess what? We bought a dog. <laughs> so we went, and then there were, of all the dogs, there was one particular golden retriever puppy right at the back. The face was so cute, so beautiful, that all three of us, my brother-in-law, my sister, and I, we all zeroed on to her. And we said, what, which dog did you like? Which dog did you like? And we all realized we liked the same dog. And we felt so drawn to want to choose that dog. And they said, okay, let's buy the dog. <laughs> and we bought the, bought the dog and called the dog Sandy. It's a wonderful dog, beautiful dog. You know what it means to be adopted? Adopted is something, obviously, I said it's unfamiliar. But the idea of adopted is, <clears throat> out of so many, I choose you. Out of so many different dogs, different puppies, different beautiful dogs, I chose one. That is the idea that, that Paul is telling us, that God chose you and me. He chose you. You were not random. You were not by chance or by luck. You were intended in the heart of God that He chose you. And that's so wonderful. The second thing that we can praise God for the blessing is that He has redeemed us in Christ. Paul continues, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. You know, what does it mean to be redeemed? Redeemed means is the same word that is used that, that God spoke to Moses. That how, when the people were enslaved, the only way that, one way in which you can buy back the slave or redeem back the person from no longer slavery is to pay, 
is to pay a sum of money, then you can redeem the person back and the person doesn't have to be a slave anymore. And the same language is being used for this covenant too also. But there's a very big difference here. The big difference is that this redemption is something that you and I cannot do on our own. You see, we don't think that we need to be redeemed. We think that we don't owe a debt, a great debt that you and I cannot pay. You and I understand what it means to owe money to the banks, to the credit cards, whatever it might be, but there is a great debt that we owe that you and I cannot, be, cannot redeem ourselves. No matter how much money you may possess, you cannot redeem it yourself because this redemption requires a life. Now, I mentioned in, in one of my sermons previously about this particular website. Have you seen this before? Spend Elon Musk money. Don't do it now, okay? Basically, in this website, they will put a, 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 um, a rough amount of uh, the money of Elon Musk. Kids, Elon Musk is apparently the richest man at this point of time that I know. So, kids, do you know what's the amount there? 240 what? Billion, very good. Okay, how much is one, one billion is how many millions? Okay, one billion is 1,000 million. Okay? Yes, definitely, okay? So, he has 240 billion, okay? And then this website is quite cheeky. It will list down all the different things you can uh, put there, and then you keep clicking how many things you want to buy, how many yachts, private jets, hotels, and all that. And let me tell you, I played with this for a while. It's very hard to finish $240 billion. It's so disgusting, okay, that you cannot even finish using the money no matter how much you buy, okay? So please go and play it uh, after the service, okay? No now. But what I want to tell you is that for all the money that you can use to purchase and buy things of the world, none of it can be used to redeem you because the redemption of our lives requires something even costlier than whatever good luck supposedly can give us. It will cost a life of a perfect person. A perfect person. The redemption of, Jesus, the redemption of our lives costs the blood of Jesus Christ. That is why Paul says here, we have redemption through His blood. Nothing, nothing of this world can equate the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? You have been redeemed. You don't have to go around living your lives seeking your, to prove yourself or to gain yourself in a certain way or, 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 or to try to redeem whatever it might be. You don't have to because you have been redeemed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is such a wonderful blessing. And that is why we can praise God about this. The third blessing that he talks about is an inheritance. You know, if you were to trace this language in which how Paul wrote, you will realize that all of this is about relationship. Relationship being chosen, adopted as his children, sons and daughters. Relationship in that how he has redeemed us so that we can have fullness in Christ in, with the Father. Relationship that he wants to give us an inheritance. 
But you contrast with the world's way of seeing things, or in our Asian way of seeing things, how it is very self-focused, self-centered about how can I gain the most for myself or achieve for my own desires, but not for others. But here, Paul tells us of this wonderful, beautiful uh, blessing. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance having predestined according to the purpose of Him who works in all things according to the counsel of His will so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. You know, what does this mean, inheritance? The idea of inheritance means this, that kids, the wonderful thing about inheritance is that whatever belongs to your mommy and daddy, I think, okay, I think may not be, uh, generally will belong to you one day, right? Generally, uh, I don't want to say, uh, make, a, 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 make a caveat first. But the idea here is that one day, I hope one day, when I'm no longer around, all that I have, I'm be so happy to give it to my children. It's almost like a final blessing to them. More than happy to give to them. An inheritance is this, what is so wonderful about this inheritance is that whatever belongs to Christ belongs to, belongs to you. Sometimes we can be very envious when we hear of stories or news about how people inherit great things, wealth and all of that, and we kind of, be, kind of feel envious because the person didn't do anything to, in, to, uh, to have the inheritance. The only thing that kind of qualify that person for the inheritance was because the person was born in that family. The, pos- the person bears the same surname as the person. That's it. Or the person was just happened to be the father or mother. That's it. Nothing. It is the same idea here. The inheritance that is in the Lord Jesus Christ is not something that you and I can achieve or obtain on our own effort. It has to be given to you. And it is a gift that the Father gives to you so lovingly and willingly. You see, we can feel that we don't have a lot in our lives and that we want more. But Paul is telling us, don't look for these things because the greatest inheritance that you have is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus himself would call call himself as brother to us. So all that we have, all that the, uh, the brother Jesus Christ has, we also will have too. And that is a wonderful blessing that we can all look forward to one day, to experience it in fullness. And so we don't have to worry. Even though in our lifetime we will not experience all things, we will not have everything, it is okay because we have an inheritance waiting for us. And the last blessing, praise God because He has given you the Holy Spirit in Christ. I continue in verse 13. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. You know, if you ever want to compare the great things or the things that you may want to have in this lifetime, this is something that you may want to th- think about again. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus himself talks about this. And I love this comparison because 
here he's trying to show us what a great blessing that we have the Holy Spirit. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So it means that it's a rhetorical question. You will never do this as a good father. You will never harm or, or give such terrible bad things to your children. And the comparison is this. If you then who are evil, that means we are evil and yet we know how to give good things to our children, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more is the comparison here? Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There are two things that have been compared. One, we as earthly parents and our Heavenly Father, we could never give outgive our heavenly father impossible no matter how good we may be we can never outgive our heavenly father the second comparison no matter what good gifts we can give to our children it cannot be compared to the greatest gift that the father would give to us the holy spirit that is also a wonderful blessing these blessings that you can see one after the other cannot be obtained by our own possession and material wealth or cannot even be obtained by good luck. It has to be given, given by our Father. And because of this, that is why we can give thanks and praise. <clears throat> you know, there is actually one thing that is key to hear. At the end of the day, all these blessings that Paul talks about and a lot more is already yours. He's not talking about a future. He's talking about the present. Everything that Paul talks about is already yours right now. Right now. The wonderful gospel truth here is that our lives in Christ is no longer about doing things. It's not no longer about trying to achieve, trying to prove ourselves, trying to prove our worth, our abilities. No longer that. But rather, because of all these blessings that God has given to us, it is about discovering it. It is discovering it. And discovering it in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because you are in Christ, all these things and much more are already yours. But the sad truth is that many of us do not experience or don't know this reality. That's why the way we live our lives is, is moving in a different direction to what Ephesians 1 is saying. We are moving in a direction as if we don't have, we lack, we worry, we are anxious. But when we actually understand this and discover all these wonderful blessings in Christ, do you know how you will know that you have discovered it? How would you know that you have all you've understood what Paul is talking about? You, the only way in which you will know is when you are able to give praise and worship to God day after day, regardless of what you have in this life. That is why in Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 14, Paul was so exuberant, so grateful, so filled with joy and thanksgiving that he kept, kept speaking about praise and glory to God again and again because he understood what it means to have this in Christ. And I pray that this Lunar New Year that you also will begin to discover 
the great blessings that you have in our Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we give thanks for your word of what Paul has written. And it is truly so amazing that he tells us every blessing, every spiritual blessing is ours to hold and to own. Forgive us, Father, when we have not understood this and we have been chasing after worthless things, things that are like mud pies compared to the greater, loftier things that are prepared for us in Christ. So help us, Lord, open our eyes and help us to know and to be sensitive and to discover the great blessings that we have in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and all God's children say, Amen.